Welcome. Today is November 7th, 2019. With me today is Brian, who is a tr- my personal trainer, who also played collegiate football at Lehigh and played against Joe Flacco. Um, so we're going to talk about the pay-for-play law in the state of California, and we're going to talk about the NCAA and why the NCAA didn't didn't want this to happen uh, because um, they want why they want to keep the, the term amateur amateurism alive. So, were you recruited by any? other schools in Lehigh? So I was recruited by uh, Holy Cross was another school I was recruited by and they're in the same conference as uh, Lehigh was. So it's the, the Patriot League conference where we're all in and it's the same conference with uh, football wise we're in the same conference as Georgetown, uh, Lafayette, Bucknell, um, who else am I forgetting? Uh, Fordham and Colgate. So that's the conference okay, we were in. Okay. And at the time, Lehigh was the, the top school in that conference. Okay. So um, for those of you who don't know where Lehigh is, tell them. It's in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay. So it's in Pennsylvania, the eastern part of Pennsylvania, maybe an hour north of Philly. Okay. But Lehigh is now popular in another way. It took a boom because of who? Uh, C.J. McCollum. Yes, yeah, so the, the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, so C.J. for the Portland Trailblazers is kind of what really put Lehigh on the map. Well, they beat Duke. And they, they beat Duke back when C.J. was going to Lehigh yeah. and they were in NCAA tournament. Uh, they beat Duke and it was a huge upset. You know, no one was expecting them to beat Duke at the time. And uh, yeah, that's what really kind of put Lehigh on the map. Um, so... What was your experience like with academics and football? Uh, I mean, uh, it was tough. I remember freshman year was the, probably the most difficult time because it's such a huge adjustment coming from high school to college, and especially with uh, Lehigh. Lehigh is a very prestigious, uh, prestigious academic university. So the curriculum was very rigorous. It's very tough. It's a comp- real competitive system where you're competing against your your peers, uh, you know, to get the upper hand. And it's the the pace just moves at lightning speed compared to high school. And compared to a public high school that I went to, most of the kids there came from a, a private high school or went to um, prep school. So they were m- more... Uh, adjusted to the pacing of how curriculum moves but coming from a public school uh, we weren't really I wasn't really ready for that so it was uh, a, a huge change that you you just had to adjust to you you could, no one's going to slow down for you so you had to just you know quickly adapt to that school system were you coached by any Anyone who coached you, did they ever have NBA, NFL experience? Um, my coach, Pete Limbo, uh, who's my, uh, who was my head coach when I got recruited there, 
Uh, I'm not sure if he had um, NFL experience, but I know the coach before him who mentored him was Coach Higgins, I believe, and he was uh, he he had experience in the NFL. I don't want to say he coached for, uh, on the Lions staff. I don't remember what year, but um, so he did have some NFL, um, you know, had an NFL background. But then Pete Limo, uh, my coach, he ended up moving on to um, Elon, I want to say North Carolina, and then went to Ball State afterwards and was the head coach at Ball State. And honestly, at this point, I'm not even sure where Coach Limbo is. I'm sure he's still coaching somewhere, though. But he was a good coach. He was a good coach. Okay. Um, so I feel like we don't need to talk about the whole cliche thing about food and that crap. I don't feel like that is yeah. necessarily something that... Now, it's something that people... About not having money or whatever. It's something that people go through. Uh-huh. But I have a tendency to believe that... The guys you hear about that from are guys who went to a public school. That's historically where you hear about Or the guys who don't have money. Or the guys who don't have money because the schools don't... Yeah. So, like, it's just... You hear about it from schools where the money would have been tight regardless. Like, like, um, the story that I read about, I read about, um, Shabazz Napier. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. He went to Connecticut. Yeah. And Connecticut is a state school Mm -hmm. that isn't exactly doing well athletically at this point in time. So but at the time, at the time there, they, the yeah, they were doing well, was were, was well, but yeah, now it's not. Now for. it's now they're it's it's they have not a great basketball program and they don't really have a great football program either. No. Um, so now I feel like it's about the school rather than the athlete sometimes, uh-huh. because I just feel that sometimes these guys, depending on where you go to school. You're not getting taken care of. Yeah. Great. And I'm not sure what it was like at UConn. I know what it was like for me. Um, you have like a meal plan that they give you well, at yeah, the beginning back, of the year. Yeah, but, yeah, and I'm sure things have changed. You know, even now things may be different. But you'd have a meal plan that give you a set amount of dollars that you would be able to use. But, you know, for an athlete that is expected to put on size and get big yeah, it's and not, grow. It doesn't really so you help, can, does it? You know, you can compete with, you know, your fellow athletes at other schools and you can, you know, handle the physicality of play, whether it's football or basketball, any other sports. They, they all tend to be pretty physical. Yes. Um, you're expected to put on size and you need to eat and... Uh, those meal plans will run out pretty quickly. So there was plenty of times where, yeah, you sure. know, you're midway through the semester and you're you're low. You're really realizing that you're low and you don't know how you're going to divvy out the rest of your meal plans for the year. So you're having to borrow people's, you know, yeah. we, we had a card system. You swipe a card, so you have to borrow your a teammate's card uh, um, yeah, I'm sure or you, you have to you know ask even students you know you may be friends with other students at the university and be like hey you know can I borrow yeah, it happens all, swiped in happens for, all you know, the time yeah all the time so, and so if, if you ask me what I hope this does this whole law let's explain before I 
say that, let's explain what this is. Now, the only, so the state of California is now allowing, it's fine. The state of California is now allowing players to be paid for the likeness for the use of their likeness, which means on pictures, jerseys, whenever they get an autograph. Yeah. So what that really means is that if Johnny Manziel lived in the state of California, he wouldn't have gotten suspended. That's really what this whole thing means. Yeah. Would. Would someone in your situation, would they have ever benefited from that? I don't that? think Johnny, Johnny ever got suspended, did he? Yes, he did. Yeah? He did. He was for suspended for, like, for signing autographs. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do you think like any... like a half, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like a serious so, No, it was a half. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, do you think that in your situation, would you have ever benefited from that? Would that, would that have ever been something you would have benefited from? See, I probably, since I, you know, I didn't go to a big school and I wasn't a, a big star at my school, I probably wouldn't have benefited in the sense of, you know, making big dollars on my name and likeness. But what it would allow me to do is just make money in a job in general, be able to work a job. Because while you're a student athlete, you can't you know, work. You can't work. They don't allow you to make any money because I think they're just afraid that any avenue you might be going, someone could still be paying you under the table or give you a job that they feel you didn't earn or deserve or what it may be. Um, so you really couldn't work. And the, the, the football program just owns your life. You're on their schedule around the clock year round. Like they have an itinerary set, they build it out for you like years in advance. I remember freshman year, you know, going in, they give you these huge binders that tell you the whole next four years of your life. And it is down to a T. They know everything you're going to do and they have everything planned out. Things are, you know, able to adjust and change you know in year three and four but it's outlined pretty well what your year is going to be like and it leaves you no time for anything and uh you know what it would allow me to do this this ruling in california would allow me to get an internship you know it would allow me to do something else in the summertime other than just when you be on campus when when you were in college what did what was your major my major in college was uh, computer imaging. Okay. So it was a mixture of computer animation, um, graphic design, and uh, like video editing. Okay. So, obviously... And honestly, that wasn't my initial major. I didn't want that. Uh, another thing that people don't understand is a lot of times these schools and these programs will get a, uh, get a kid into the majors that they want them into. So typically, so actually I wanted to go, when I first got to went to college, I wanted to get into communications. It strikes and, me, yes. And my teacher, I'm not my teacher, my coach, Coach Limbo, who I referenced earlier, actually alluded to the fact that there was a communication major at Lehigh. And, you know, maybe it was partly on me that I didn't do my due diligence, but hey, when you're getting recruited by a college, you're just... You listen to everything that they say and you take it all at face value when you're 17 years old. Uh, so they told me there was a communication major because I told him, you know, when I was in high school, I was doing a, a TV production class where I was doing uh, sports 
and you know how to do the whole rundown for all the, the the sports teams at my high school and you know I had a real passion about that and I really loved it you know I always saw if you know I didn't make it in sports that at that time you know I want to go on ESPN or something like that so I was hoping to go in that direction and when I got on campus and started looking for uh, class courses I realized like wait a second there doesn't seem like there's any communication courses here you know so I Do had to uh, adjust on... and figure out a new av- a new route to go um, to get my master's and get Do my degree. Do they blame it on you for not finding that out yourself? Yeah, they'll blame it on me. And I'll take I'll take you know I'll take credit for that. But and, is it? But is honestly, it 50, 50 honestly, really I though? was going to choose Lehigh no matter what. So whether yeah. it had communications or not, okay. I would have chose Lehigh anyways. It just, it, I had to, you know, at my, my freshman year, I was undecided and I just had to figure out what route to take, um, you know, educationally. But what happens at a lot of other schools is a lot of times they, you know, when these kids don't know what they're doing, these, these programs will, you know, uh, kind of, I want to say trick them, but will kind of well, force, force them do, into certain majors that they know will be easy enough to keep these kids eligible. So kids who are on the fence even getting into university or kids who come from uh, high schools that didn't have the greatest academics, um, these coaches will kind of get them into a, a major that doesn't have you know, you know, know, much workload or just isn't that difficult or that a ton of former classmen had uh, teammates or classmates have been in before so that they can kind of usher them through the class uh, curriculum a lot easier. And so you end up having guys taking majors and getting a degree in a field that they aren't that interested in or that are a degree that, you know, goes nowhere down the road. So, um, excuse me. Um, there was a story about Matt Liner and how he took ballroom dancing. Yeah. Did that, did stuff like that happen? Uh, well, we didn't have anything quite, because it's still Lehigh, we're not USC. <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't have anything quite as easy as ballroom dancing. Which he probably uh, didn't even have to take. It's probably just something that, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. The, under the table kind of like what they do at North Carolina for their best, what they got busted for. Yeah, no, Lehigh, <laughs> Lehigh is still way uh, one of the way more prestigious universities. So you, you're not going to find anything like ballroom dancing or whatever, like PE or something like that yeah. as a major. Yeah. But the the so it's still a difficult university. Like it, there's there's no. You know, you had to have, you still had to have the grades to get in there. So I had, a, I had good grades coming out of high school. Uh, you know, I was an A, B student. You know, C on occasion. So I, I, uh, you know, me and all my teammates all deserved to be there. You know, you had to do it with with Lehigh because, you know, Lehigh wasn't just, you know, it's similar to your your Ivy League schools to where you're, you know. You still have to have the the grades to get in it, or you're just going to be ineligible after you know your freshman year, and that they don't need they don't want that. You know they need guys to be eligible. So uh, the the easier you know masters, I mean the easier programs they wanted you to get into were in the arts and science because Lehigh is a real prestigious engineering school, and so that's what it's mainly known for is is you know 
you know, top, you know, top 20 uh, engineering programs. And it's also known of recent years for the, their business program. So their business program is a, a huge, you know, a huge program in, uh, in the nation. So they know that those are the, the two difficult uh, programs. So if there are guys who they aren't sure about, they try to get them to go into uh, the arts and science program. So you can get into your biologies, you can get into your, you know, your arts and media or whatever it may be, architecture. They would, they would kind of usher you that direction. Um, was, there ever a, was there ever a time when you played hurt when played you hurt. like when you like when you like when you of like course. what happened in Maryland like if you like with something where you're like I'm hurt I'm hurt I'm like oh whatever here you're good yeah. you're good you're fine 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 oh, that's yeah. another thing that they do historically is oh, that they'll, that's that's a regular you there's a manhood that's always being challenged always being challenged when you're playing football you know, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure it probably happens in baseball. I mean, uh, basketball, maybe even baseball. I don't know, soccer. But definitely in the sport of football, which is the, you know, the bigger program of all college sports. Mm -hmm. And which is like, you know, what these rules are tend to be geared towards is football. But your manhood is always being questioned. So it's your toughness. You know, how tough are you? How mentally tough are you? You know, they need guys who are mentally tough, guys who can get knocked down and get back up so everybody plays hurt everybody plays tired everybody has different injuries that happen you know one time for me uh we, you know we never had anything quite as significant as a maryland you know situation where you have a, a, a teammate losing their life um but we definitely had times to where you know i remember i had a teammate of mine who uh did his off-season program in uh, louisiana and then he came back up and he you had to do this performance uh, test before a camp. And um, you had to do this performance test before a camp. And it was doing a 300 yard shuttle and which is like running 50 yards and then running back. And you had to do that three times. So he went all and you had to do it twice so you had to do it twice and you had to do it under a certain amount of time and it was a different time for the skill positions different time for the what the position were you i was a skilled guy so i was a i was a safety so i got recruited as a corner played corner my just my freshman year and uh then they moved me to safety because my freshman year that we recruited eight dbs just because i don't know why they recruited that many dbs so we were kind of you know backlogged at corner specifically so they were starting to move guys around so they moved me to safety and they moved some other guys to linebacker you know because you start to put some size on and um and they want to really emphasize speed too so they wanted to get the some quicker guys out there and linebacker and once we they bulked them up what was but, the amount uh, of success that your program had while you were there oh uh, we won our conference twice and we got robbed of the national championship freshman year so my freshman year, we we won our conference and we made it to the the playoffs. Um, you know, we're different from the the Miamis and the USCs. They play in the FBS. Yes. You know, we call it FCS at the time. It was just called Division One AA and Division One A. 
So I was playing playing in Division One AA. Now it's the FCS. So we do a playoff system post uh, post season. Uh, we don't do the bowl system. So we end up being matched up with James Madison in the first round of the playoffs, and it was a home game, and we dominated James Madison. Dominated James Madison. And we had this one series where James Madison had the ball on our goal line. It was, uh, you know, first and two or whatever. They run the play. Boom. Defense stopped them. Second and one. Run the play. Boom. Stopped them. Third and one. Run the play. Boom. Stop them. Fourth and one. They go for it on fourth down. Run the play. Boom. Stop them. Guys are happy. Go, guys are going crazy. Everybody's celebrating, running off the field because we just stopped them on the goal line. The ref throws a flag, says excessive celebration, gives them the ball back. Ridiculous. The most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. I've never seen them call excessive celebration for stopping somebody on fourth down. What? Are you kidding me? What do you expect us to do? Just to like <laughs> stand quietly, there like statues and not walk, to the, walk back to the sideline after making a, a huge stop in the playoffs? Like, are you kidding me? So it was, it was utterly ridiculous that they did that. Then you know, James Madison gets the ball back. They run it on first play down. We stop them. They run it on second down. We stop them again. And then they run it on third down, and they finally punch it in for a touchdown. And then that game versus James Madison, we end up losing by two points. Two points to James Madison. And James Madison went on to win the national championship that year. They went on to beat everybody else in their way and win the national championship. And that team at Lehigh, we had two NFL guys that were on that team. So we had a wide receiver, Jaran Walker who uh, played a little bit for the Colts and played a little bit for the Steelers. And then we had um, Adam Bergen, who played for the Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. So our, 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 our team was good, you know. There's not a lot of guys who are playing the FCS who do make it to the league. But when you do have guys who do make it to the league, it's, you know, it's a big deal. It's a big deal, you know. This isn't, you know, Florida. This isn't... Alabama, you know, you get two guys who are on the uh, same team and F- F- uh, FCS will make it to the league. It's a big deal. And we had two guys who made it to the league and we got robbed, man. So that hurt. So we made it to the, you know, the playoffs that year. And then we made it again. My my junior year, we made it again under a new head coach. We made it to the, the playoffs. So that who was did our... You, who did you play in your junior year? Um, my junior year... Actually, my junior year, we didn't make it to the playoffs, actually. Now that I think about it, we were co-champions. And I want to say we didn't get the... They gave it to the other co-champion, the playoff position, instead. So we were on the outside looking in. So I remember we were... Yeah, that's right. We were waiting um, because they do kind of like... a selection show where they're picking all the all the schools uh, across the country uh, yep. who you know what seeds you got and everything we were watching and we were waiting and we thought there might be a chance we can get it at large and we didn't get in we didn't get in so we were hoping we can get in next year who was who year. was the team that got in and you didn't who was that uh, that year it may have been Colgate I want to say maybe Colgate got in that year uh, I'm not sure but I want to say Colgate made it in instead of us. Okay. And Colgate did absolutely nothing with the opportunity. So <laughs> Colgate is 
Trash. <laughs> Trash. <laughs> they haven't been good forever. So, anyway. Um, so, when you hear about sanctions coming down, the, 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 the latest one is Kansas. Uh-huh. And the basketball program yep. you're talking about, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. How... Are you, are, are you ever surprised anymore? Are we now in a situation where it just happens and we should not be surprised anymore? No, and that's the problem with the NCAA. No, I'm not surprised. The thing is, though... All these, all these, sh- these schools do something. All these schools do something that breaks the rules. Because if everyone's doing it, why, why wouldn't you do it? Everybody wants a competitive edge. And if you have all these universities where they're paying their students, they're paying money to different guys, and it's happening everywhere. I don't understand. They think they're stopping a competitive imbalance by outlawing it but if you got programs that can that the the NCAA needs you know the NCAA needs the North Carolinas they need North Carolina basketball that's why when all this scandal came up on North Carolina they didn't do anything to them because they need North Carolina but couldn't you, know? you say that they need same Kansas thing. about the same in basketball they're not going to do anything to Kansas you're right they yeah. do need Kansas basketball and they won't do anything to Kansas They'll give Kansas a slap on the wrist. They may take some scholarships away. But honestly, I, I would be surprised if they do anything. I feel like they're going to do nothing and they're going to maybe, I don't know. They're just going to do nothing. They don't do anything to the programs that they absolutely but if that's need. The, but if that's the case then, at the time that USC got the death penalty... Oh, USC didn't get the back in. Well, they essentially and, did because they they no, haven't been good since. No, they got they got hit with. Well, they got uh, hit really hard. They got hit really hard, uh, but now I think NCAA hadn't they hadn't hit any program that hard in a while. Well, I would say now, it wasn't I as hard. They, realized, it was, they got it was as hard. It was it was. I would say they hadn't hit anyone that hard since SMU. Yeah, they hadn't hit anybody that hard since SMU, and I think now that they see what happened to. USC, I don't think they'll hit anybody that hard again, because there's no there's no like true science, there's no true ruling to why the NCAA does what it does, why it penalizes one program one way and another program another way, makes zero sense. You know they came down hard on Ohio State for uh, getting tattoos, getting tattoos, and I lost Jim Trussell his job, but it it makes no sense why should they Jim should have Jim Trussell stayed. At Ohio State, I mean, at the time, he, I guess he had to leave. You know, it wasn't a good look at the time, but you know, in hindsight, the the political environment we're in, you fight it tooth and nail now, and you stick around. You deal with the bad publicity, and then you keep it moving because everybody loves a winner. Yep. So all you gotta do is win, and you know you'll survive. What was what was able to get Ohio State to bounce back quicker than USC though was that Ohio State got Urban Meyer yep. afterwards. So Ohio State, you know, could have easily faltered, but they were lucky they got that. And same thing could go with Penn State after the whole Joe Paterno, uh, Joe Paterno thing is they got hit really hard initially, but then the NCAA started taking back some of the stuff. Well, you know? what do you think? And what do you think the reason is for Penn for why they 
kind of loosened it on them. I have no clue why they loosened it up. Because no one else has ever been there. That's never happened to anyone else. Jerry Sanders is worse than anything. It's the worst thing to ever happen to college football that happened to college sports. Right next to Michigan State of yeah, recent, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think Michigan State thing was way more on the Olympic side than it was on the the university side. There was definitely things that happened bad at the university, but both stories came out at the same time. So I think some people muddle get them muddled up of which was Michigan State and which one was, you know, well, the US Olympics. A, but um the Jerry Sandusky thing was pretty sad. There's and a documentary on HBO. It's called "The Price for Gold," and what it shows, what it what it really does, it paints more of a picture for the IOC yeah. than it does for the NCAA. It makes yeah. it look as if the NCAA didn't necessarily have anything to do with it. Yeah. It was more and the the more of the the IOC. Yeah, because but Baylor had a nasty situation yep, too, too yep. over there. Yeah, and uh, they're they're bouncing back. Uh, their program is already they're starting doing great. Uh, to bounce they're back doing, from that great. that situation where uh, our Bryles, our Bryles, yeah. yeah, and our um, Bryles was coaching in Germany or something. He wasn't. He has. He's not even. He doesn't even. He's not even around. Yeah, I don't even know. I where mean, he the is. main thing that happened with USC was just that they weren't able to find a, a predecessor of uh, Pete Carroll to get them back to their prominent position in, in, in college football. And that's just the, the main gist of that's, it, you know. I think that is, Ohio State got lucky, and USC and Penn State didn't get as lucky at the mo- in the moment. Yeah. And that's yeah. what happened. But Penn USC, State has already recovered, yep. you know. They recovered. USC is just, you know. They, taking a while. Yeah, I, and I think it's merely off of just the fact that they don't quite, they haven't quite you know, filled that Pete Carroll hole. And honestly, Pete, before Pete Carroll, USC wasn't that strong of a program either. So I think we may be over-glamorizing the program that USC is. You know, it may not be a true top-tier program. It just has had moments where it was a top-tier program. But, you know, it's should had more down than up at this should point. Should Reggie Bush... Get his Heisman back and yes, should USC. One hundred percent agree absolutely. with you. He should get his. Like to me, the whole thing of going back and revisionist history and taking people's championships away or taking people's trophies away is absolutely ridiculous. Like taking Louisville's national championships away is the dumbest thing ever. So we're going to pretend that Louisville didn't win that national championship. They weren't the best team in the, the nation. Come on, like they are. You you penalize them. For you know, takes suspend. I mean, take scholarships away, find them, whatever you do. But like, you can't rewrite history and just erase them. Same thing with Reggie Bush. Yeah. You know, the university got penalized, but how are you going? You can't take their national championships away. You can't take their, you know, you can't take Reggie Bush's Heisman away. I it's, read a book. It's called pointless. Tarnished Heisman. It's about how Reggie Bush. How that whole thing happened. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with football. None of it has anything to do with football. It was because he wanted... He got into a business deal with some with two crooks. Yeah. And they embuzzled money out of him. Yeah. And so he had to find a way to get it back. Yeah. That's all it was. He wanted to get into... It was like an athletic train... Some, some weird yeah. random business he 
wanted to start these two crooks. Yeah. The crooks took money from him. These two dudes took money from him. Yeah. And and nothing. And he was mad because the he was disappointed because the business never happened. Yeah. So he was looking for money. That's see, essentially what see, it was. He was looking. My my thing is. Like, that has nothing to do with Reggie Bush's performance on the football field. Yeah. Like, if Reggie Bush got popped with having all sorts of steroids and, you know, stuff in his body and his system throughout that time, then, yeah, you may have more of a better argument to be like, well, then those are synthetic numbers, you know? Those weren't authentic numbers that he put up. But his performance, his play had nothing to do with the stuff that went on off the field. And, you know, right or wrong, I don't think... It, it warranted him losing his Heisman for an um, excellent season. When I I went the game that I there was a I saw Reggie Bush play in college twice. Yeah. And I went I was at that Fresno State game when he broke the record. Yeah. And I'll never forget that moment because it there was something humbling about Reggie yeah. Bush that wasn't around that's not around with many guys anymore yeah guys aren't guys I aren't mean, honestly, just for the game the honestly, way he if is you really want to know why usc isn't back to where it's at it might it's a good chance it's the treatment of reggie bush of why the big guys aren't going to usc like they used to like reggie bush was a five-star recruit coming out of high school and this is the way they treated him and you get a lot of guys who are five-star recruits who might look at that situation and and Reggie Bush was a phenomenon too. Like guys idolized Reggie Bush. You know, high school kids and middle school kids. I remember I, I even had because I played around that era of Reggie Bush, and I, I even had a teammate who, you know, would wear long sleeves and then cut off one sleeve off like Reggie Bush did. And you know, uh, I, I think even, at the time I watched I, I every say, Saints game because of Reggie yeah, Bush. Yeah, I want to say at the time <laughs> Reggie Bush might have been. Uh, one of the first guys who started putting like the area codes in the eye black, yep. you know, and then you would see a bunch of other guys putting the area codes in the eye black, representing their hometown. And, you know, Reggie Bush was a phenomenon that people wanted to be. People wanted to make highlight, you know, like moves like Reggie Bush. And the he was, way he was they the best runner with the football the, I have ever seen. The way the university yeah, turned yeah. on Reggie Bush might have put a bad taste in a lot of these high school kids who thought they wanted to go to USC and saw the treatment of Reggie Bush and decided, you know what, I'll go to Bama. I haven't seen Bama do anything to uh, to any of their star players or I'll go to um, Oregon, you know, or I'll go to Stanford. I'll go, I'll go somewhere else. I think a lot of kids may have just, you know, not appreciated the way USC turned on Reggie Bush. So we have a little more time. Um, so... Reggie Bush is now an analyst for Fox. Uh-huh. Part of their big noon show yeah. with Urban Meyer, Matt Leinert, and Rob Stone. Yeah. I think that's it. The Joe Clack? Is he on that? No. No, he's no, not on that? No, okay. No, no. Is uh, uh, Dave... Uh, no, he's, he's not done. He's over. It's over. Yeah? Okay. It's over. They have a totally different crew now. Different they crew? They, okay. they recycled them. Yeah, I guess Urban probably took over for day once. That probably yeah. yeah. So um, Reggie Bush hates Clay Helton. Absolutely oh, hates really? him. Yeah. Do you think that there is kind of a 
don't I is there kind of like a jealousy thing like people embraced him but they wouldn't embrace me or something like I that I have no clue I would only I don't, I don't think Reggie Bush cares about that kind of stuff like you were saying earlier he is a kind of humble guy the fact that he you know he volunteered his Heisman trophy you know just because he was tired of all the backlash the university was getting and he wanted to you know move past it so I don't think he can, I don't think he uh, but, he, but he the has most any... people do what he did I don't think you do what he did because I think that the, the thing is if I won the Heisman maybe I'm maybe this is wrong of me to say I would never give it up to anyone or anything. Yeah. That would t- it would take a lot of me to be yeah. able to do and that. The thing is, Reggie Bush knows that the whole world knows he wants a Heisman. So all it is is just a, it's just a, as a symbol of what the season, you know, how it ended. But he had the be- he had one of the best seasons. Excuse me. He had one of the best seasons. Oh, one of the from best a from a non quarterback that we've ever seen. Yeah, the all-purpose yards he put up, you know, what he did on punt returns, what he did as a wide receiver, as a running back. You know, Reggie Bush was a a one-of-a-kind guy. Guys couldn't wait. You know, people who, you know, I I was coming from the East Coast, too, mind you. Now that I live on the West Coast, there's a huge East Coast bias when it comes to college sports. You know, people don't even want to stay up that late to watch USC because the games come on way too late on the East Coast. But people would stay up late to watch Reggie Bush and that USC team. Like, that doesn't happen. I'm, I'm telling you from a person who grew up on the East Coast, that doesn't happen. You don't just, you're not, you're not staying up late to watch Arizona game unless you're betting on sports. <laughs> you're a degenerate gambler. <laughs> or, or, if you, uh, or if you're in Atlantic City and you yeah, have to gamble. Yeah, That's yeah. That's about it. Most people on the East Coast really aren't just staying up super late to watch you know, USC versus Fresno State. Pac, the but Pac-12 the have time, has been tinkering with their schedules to try to avoid this from happening. Yeah, but they've been unsuccessful it's, it's, it's Because they haven't really had any stars, you know. I, I say Christian McCaffrey is probably uh, the last big star to come out of the, the pack who is just like must-see football, you know. Other than him, there really hasn't been a ton of stars lately coming out of the, the Pac-12 and uh, but Reggie Bush was that guy. Reggie Bush, you you wanted to see Reggie Bush, and so I just I don't think him saying anything about Clay Helton, him not liking Clay Helton, is purely on that he doesn't want to see his program, you know, where it's at right now, where it it's not like that USC program used to just clean up the pack, you know, like that wasn't even a question whether they beat those guys in the in the pack. So him seeing them to lose to Oregon or you know, have to fight with Arizona and Arizona State and losing to Stanford's and he's not accustomed to seeing that. Think about it. And losing to losing to UCLA and Notre Dame is another thing. If you lose to UCLA and Notre Dame, you should be fired at the US. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. So I mean Notre Dame's a little more understandable because they're a top tier program, but UCLA really, isn't and, and, that. We yeah, know that. UCLA is not a top tier program. You know, USC is, is supposedly a top tier program, and Oregon is supposedly a top tier program, and then maybe Stanford, maybe Washington. But Stanford's having a down year. Stanford's yeah, not the yeah. Stanford that we've seen in the past. But Washington was back in the 90s, and it yeah. just made a new resurgence now that they got um, Chris, Peterson. Chris Peterson there at Washington. If you were USC right now, 
Who would you go after? I just, mean, just call Urban, it, Urban it, Meyer right? is the no-brainer. It if is. you can get Urban Meyer, you know, you got to get him. You know, that guy is a legendary coach. He's of this era of coaching. He's number two right behind uh, Nick Saban, you know. You, you can, if you want to argue it, you can, but I stay safe. Nick Saban's right. the best, yes. you know. And he's Devil, second. Devil he's... Sweeney, Sweeney is, you know, going to comfort that number one crown in a, in a little bit. But uh, If Kirby Smart wins, he might become that guy. Kirby Smart? He has yeah. to do a lot of winning, though. You got to yeah, do a lot but, of winning. Do what it, Nick yeah. Saban's been able to do at Alabama. And you, we forget he still won a national champion at LSU. People forget that. How many national how many national championships he's won at Alabama, but he he did it at uh, LSU too. And same thing to say with Urban Meyer. He won at Florida. He won at Ohio State. He's got the pedigree. I'm sure these these high school guys would love 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 all across the nation love to play for Urban just because he knows how to win. You know, and guys want to play for winners. And he puts guys in the league. Urban puts guys in the league. And he makes guys stars in the league, too. I think he does a better job than uh, Nick Saban at making guys stars, you know, in the league. So, yeah, I, Urban is a, a no-brainer. No-brainer. And I think they're going to, I think they're heading that way. It's just up to Urban if he wants the job and if USC is willing to give it to him. You know, he's he's a no-doubt. If, if it's not Urban, I couldn't tell you who it is. I, I'm... I don't have a clue. I don't think USC PJ Fleck is has enough of a resume yet. That's the to guy go in Minnesota. Yeah, I don't well, think Minnesota he, just locked him up. Yeah, until, him locked his own. Like, he up. He's not. No, yeah. so he's not going anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know who else would be the next guy if they want to try to get a, a former NFL coach and try to do a whole Pete Carroll thing once again. I don't know if they go that route or try to get some young hot you know, assistant stud, or if they try to get a coach to break their contract that they like. I don't know what it is, but uh, Urban is the guy you put all your resources towards. Give him whatever he wants. Give him a blank check and say, you write your number, we'll give it to you. He's that um, important. Yes. Um, thanks for doing this. No problem. We'll do this some other time. No problem, I enjoy uh, it. Okay. So, thank you. Thanks for listening. Um, there might be something planned for next week. We'll find out. Um, I'll keep all of you posted. Thanks for listening. Okay. So this is a special episode that I've been trying so hard to do. And I... I'm very excited to say that sitting next to me, one of my favorite people on the entire planet, my friend, Ramona Shelburne, oh, who also did the best podcast I have ever heard. And no, this is not because I know you. This is real. Um, the Sterling Affairs. And I would like to talk to you a little bit about that, because that's the story that influenced me in a humongous way. Because I was working in a place that I needed to get out of. And I was trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. And so, and how to get out. And so, 
I started listening to Mason in Ireland at this place where I used to work. And um, I will never, ever for forget the day that I met John and USD for the first time. And so I think it's super cool that I, I kind of see similarities in our relationships with the two of them, as you already know. And I would like to go into the Sterling affairs and what, why I think this story, and I told you this before, is so prevalent today. There are elements of this story that I don't think we realized back then. How old just, were you when the whole, in 2014, when um, Donald Sterling was being kicked out of the league? I was working at that preschool because it was 2014. Yeah, I started working there in thir I started working there in 13. Okay. And I was either 20. I'm 27 now, so I would have been. I'm 22. Awful. Yeah, yeah, 22. And so. Do you remember when that happened? Yeah. What did you think at the time? I remember thinking. Why didn't we, why didn't any, why didn't we, because everybody knew that there were things up about him before, so why, why did it take a mistress to, to make it a story? Right. That was the thing. And so, I feel like every time I go to my favorite store, I pass the Sterling Tower on the way there. Yeah. And every time, and every time, <laughs> Not nothing in nothing in Beverly Hills, but when in order to get there, that I pass the Sterling Tower in order to go, and whenever I pass it, I always think to myself, "What type of access did you have, and how did you get it?" Um. So I obviously spoke a lot to his wife Shelly Sterling. I had known her back when they owned the team before um, this all happened in 2014, but but mostly I've known her since then because. She ended up becoming a really important character in the whole story. She ends up being the person who actually sells the Clippers without Donald's permission. And, you know, I got to know her at the time because she was going through it and I was covering this as a news story. Um, but I think I really, I think it's really been afterwards, you know, it was really trying to understand um you know, their life together and, and the way they ran the team, but also like what it took for her to sell the team and um it just stayed in touch we had lunch a few times you know i call her on the phone we did a few interviews um and i think you kind of get to know a person through that process and i i always knew that was um i always thought she was the most important person in the story because if it wasn't for shelly sterling i think we're still in court i think oh, donald's still tying I, I us think up we and, are in court for many years mm -hmm. i don't he's not he's not someone who would walk away quietly and as you and and I think that he's one of those people yeah. who's one of those litigious um, people that I, yeah. that because my parents have law backgrounds, oh, so okay. yeah, so I know a little bit about that. And especially with my mom's new position, it goes hand in hand with what I refer to and my the other things that I've the work that I've done for yeah. a lot of for a lot of years. It's about there are families and certain people who there's a personality that they have where they live for stuff like this, stuff that you and I would walk away from. There are people 
who love conflict. I personally hate it. I will run away from it. I will avoid it. And I will do certain things just to stay away. Like, there was a meeting at my other office today that I actually avoided because of conflict that I didn't want to have. I just didn't want to hear it. So So I didn't go. And I feel like Donald Sterling is one of those people who loves it, and I think St- and I think Shelley Sterling is someone who absolutely hated it. And this was her way of saying, I don't want to deal with it. I-, I would rather just wash my hands of it than stay around. Well, I don't know if she hated it. I think maybe people go about things differently. Um, I don't think she's afraid of conflict, actually. I don't think she's... I think she's not... I think in some ways she's, like, better at it than Donald, even, because Donald... Hires lawyers and yells and screams and and is much more direct. Yes. But Shelly, you know, the the expression is, um, don't play checkers, play chess. Yeah. Shelly's playing chess. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that doesn't mean she's avoiding conflict. She's just playing chess. She's just staying above it. Yeah. She doesn't, it doesn't, she doesn't want to be defined by it. And And she gets other people to do the fight for her. Oh, yeah. She doesn't have to get her hands dirty. But let's be honest. She has resources that most people do not have yeah. regardless of her personality. Yeah. Um, so what were what were some people, who were some people you wanted to get on this podcast and you were not able to? I definitely wanted to talk to Donald. Um, and I wanted to talk to B. Stiviana, the mistress. I tried really hard. I still tried to talk to her. You know, we did have a few, in, like, exchanges on Instagram, but she doesn't really have any interest in talking which is you know ironic right because the whole thing started because she wanted to be famous do you think that she's as done with it as shelly is at this point in a way i mean she still pops up on instagram with some funny posts here we don't really hear from her anymore do we right she obviously if she was going to say something she would have said it to me right i've asked many times and i've had there are people who i have wanted to have on here and these are just people, random people who just will not, will not, will not. And I have figured out that I've realized that it's better not to be the one who would be perceived as an annoyance. <laughs> well, she, I don't think it's that. I think for her, she has, she's moved on. <laughs> oh, yeah. And she's got uh, something new in her life that she's, you know, she's, uh, she takes care of a couple of kids. And yeah. I think she doesn't want to be. Um, defined by this anymore, even yeah. though she is, whether she likes it or oh, not. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, and I think she just kind of wants to stay out of the public view. Um, so it's not so much like doesn't want to take the time to do it. It's like she kind of still wants to be famous, but I think for the sake of the kids that she adopted, um, you know, she doesn't want to be in the view. Now, that's that's what I think. That's what her lawyer has told me. But um, I don't know until she tells me herself. So there is a story that in the podcast about how the Warriors Clippers series was not supposed to, that they were trying to not finish it. They really didn't want to finish it. And my, and I've heard a lot of people's take on that is some people thought it was weak that they, that they played. And some people thought it was courageous. Mm-hmm. What did you, what do you think they should have done? Well, I think that, um, there was a, I, I think that they did the, that's uh, my judgment. I don't want to say what they should have done, to be honest. Okay. Because it really is up to them. At the time it was happening, um, you know, there were a lot of people who were very disappointed. They didn't make a stronger statement politically or like, you know, out vocally. They were letting Doc speak for them. But 
they're you know I respected what they I respected their choice. I understood why people were upset. I I actually think that like if the goal was to get him removed from the league to get him out, that them handling it the way they did was probably the smartest thing. Because if they would have boycotted, yeah, it would have been a much big. It just would have been a much bigger deal. And I don't know if the other owners would have supported. I don't think Adam anyone Silver. would support it. I don't think anyone would have supported that because it's all about. It would have backfired. Would backfired. And they would have lost a lot of money because these playoff games are a yeah. Although I don't know if they gauntlet. would have lost money, but yeah. money gauntlet. Somebody would have. Yeah, we don't know who, but someone would have. And my my thing with the Clippers is always that they're in a much better place, mm-hmm. and I don't think they would have gotten any. I don't think Kawhi or Paul George would have ever considered the Clippers if if Donald Sterling was still here. I don't feel. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like if you look at what they are today, because um, I am going to the Hawks game, the Clippers Hawks uh-huh. game on Saturday for ESPN. So I don't even know why. I don't even know what the Clippers would even be today if it's kind of hard. They to didn't sell. Isn't it's it really hard like to figure it out. Ago? Yeah, I think we were. Our everyone's life was so different. I just yeah. think about. Me working at this preschool and look at where I am today, not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I feel like everyone has changed. Media has changed. I'm sure that we've all evolved as people. Yeah. I'm sure that I just don't understand why this is the only story where a mistress actually changed something for the better. This is the only <laughs> story. This is the only time. It you? might it might never it might it might not be but that's what I remember yeah. and I will never forget watching first take I made an appointment viewing that day mm-hmm. the day that Monday of the of after that whole weekend mm-hmm. and they talked about it oh, the yeah. entire show well you know it was like the whole world was talking about it that's where you know you don't see that happen all the time um, where the whole world is talking about a sports story. It was one of the first stories we've we've seen that. Yeah. And I don't know that we've seen that since, you know? Oh. I mean, it was like the biggest story in the world. President Obama was getting asked questions oh, yeah. about it. And I think usually when there's something that goes viral like that, um, when it becomes, when it cuts through into the mainstream like that, it's because it hits on much larger issues where it hits on race, it hits on you know, greed, sex, money, you know, sexism, um, scandal, and then, oh, by the way, it's against the backdrop of the NBA playoffs, and, you know, that is a huge deal, too. So I think that's really why it, it took off. Plus, you know, he's a scoundrel, okay? Yes. So everybody loves a good story of the rich guy who gets his comeuppance, right? And and I think mm-hmm. there was that, and then, you know, you had this mistress who, with her, you know, with her visor and... Um, you know, you. I, I said many times, and I and I should go in a second because I gotta actually host radio with Steve Mason in a minute. But um, the uh, <laughs> that we're live, right? That's the whole thing about yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I said at the time, you literally could not write better characters than this. You couldn't write a story stranger than this, and it actually just played out in real time. Is this? The next HBO miniseries, or should be? Is there any talks well, of anything happening? That- I, I can't give you details, but I can tell you there have been talks with uh, a cable network. Let's say it like that. A streaming cable network. Or a, yeah, a cable network. Yeah. 
Fancy one. No one should be surprised. Hey, this surprised. has been fun. No this one should be fun, surprised. Wyatt. I, it'll be, uh, this is, was Bonus a lot of fun. Bonus episode of the Sterling Fair. Yes, you like that? Yes. This was a lot of fun. Good, I'm glad. I w- will have you on maybe af- during the All-Star break. Yeah, and let's talk, about, let's talk yeah. about the Lakers. Oh, yeah. Now that we've talked all about the Clippers. Oh, you bet we have. Can't believe you talked about the Clippers, Wyatt. I never do. <laughs> <laughs> never do. You're a Laker guy. Yes. So, um... I right. will talk I got to 